0: Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice, or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I co.
1: Hey guys, many people think that coaching is only about uh, learning new skills and tools, but coaching is also use to level up your current skills and that's what we're going to talk about today noel good morning
2: good morning john how are you doing
1: i'm doing really well and i want to say that um, i was talking to noel before this episode Um, because i was reminded of what an amazing writer speaking of skills and leveling up um, what an amazing writer she uh, she is and of course i know but you know it's just easy to forget when you're living on social media Uh, and i tend to conceive more than digest so i'm so busy putting stuff out i don't read a lot but but once in a while you know someone's uh, post will come on my feed. i'll catch it and this morning i saw a piece from noel and i was like oh man i keep forgetting that um she's such a talented writer
2: thank you thank you and this is actually a really great lead into our conversation because when people come across us they see us in our current iterations right they see us today and how you know we relate to each other as co-founders of journey and your you know full blown angry therapist and the way that we met was I saw a blog post that you wrote and shared my writing with you and you right. said, come write <laughs> for The Angry yeah. Therapist. And that's yes. how it all began.
1: Full circle.
2: <laughs> Full circle, right? And so, you know, guys, if you're listening and you're you're looking out into the world and, and saying, how am I ever going to make a change in my own life how am i ever going to do something differently i was sitting many years ago in a place of extreme discomfort wondering how i was going to transform my life and become a coach and i took one stone and i threw it into a big pond when i sent Mm. an email to john and that has rippled ever since
1: yeah. What a great example, you know, and many people, um, and by many, I would say most, and, uh, we're, we're scared to throw our stones. Yes. You know,
2: yes. What do you think that's about?
1: Uh, I mean, for me, I mean, I, 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 most of my life I've been scared, uh, to, um, speak up or to, you know, to put my best foot forward, to throw my stone. Uh, and it was from, uh, you know, what, what people would think of me, um, if I'm any good, you know, what do I have to say? Um, a lot of, uh, you know, self-bashing, uncertainty, insecurity, all of that.
2: Has that changed for you over the years?
1: Yeah, so I got really lucky because I think if I started, uh, you know, The Angry Therapist and blogging, and all that, today, I, I to be honest with you, I don't think I would have had any, any kind of success. And that's because uh, social media is now a big thing. And when you post, you know, people are gonna read your stuff. Uh, when I started, I, I did it kind of like I went through the back door, like I used Tumblr, and I didn't, I didn't think anyone would read it. And that was a, a good thing, because then it made me fearless and I kind of did it for myself. So as I was creating my, my catalog of, uh, you know, diaries and, and, and articles, um, I, 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 it wasn't for anyone to read. And so that's a lot easier than someone today creating content when they know that people are going to read their stuff. So I can't imagine, you know, it's much harder today.
2: Yeah. And I actually did the same thing and it's, it's silly because I kind of tricked myself with magical thinking because it, you know, when we started out my own Facebook presence, I had like just joined Facebook. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I still don't know what I'm doing on social media. And I somehow thought that if I wrote for you, which was, you know, a nationally syndicated blog, I would be invisible. <laughs> and, mm, like and you could hide opposite. behind it. Hide behind your words, right? Exactly. That I could hide behind you, really. And and that um that turned out not to be the case.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's a good thing because now we get to we get the world gets to experience your gifts. So that's great.
2: That's true. And thank you. And yeah. and so, you know, I love this topic today. And you know, coaching is so often confused for so many things. I think that when people first start getting interested in coaching, they get targeted ads, they see influencers, they're thinking, you know, everyone's doing this and has a multimillion dollar business except for me. And number one, that's not true. And number two, what coaching truly is, is it's a communication methodology. And when we're talking about a communication methodology, it's, it's words. It's the words we use to talk to ourselves. It's the words we use to talk to our families and the people that we love. It's the words that we use to help clients move from one point to another or to bring into our own jobs or our own um, passions and, and move things. The whole point of coaching at the end of the day is language and movement.
1: So by that definition, if you embark um, on uh, uh, in taking co- coaching training and a coaching career, um, you are by default going to be a better communicator. There's no way you're not going to be able to be a be better communicator if you don't, um, I mean, if you if you go, go through the journey and actually um, start to learn tools on coaching, correct?
2: Yes, you will 100% spot on become a better communicator. And then there are other skill sets that come into play that you will unconsciously absorb. And one of them that's incredibly important is resiliency. That the work of coaching and the way that you use language to calm negative emotions and to recenter with your goals and that which you want to accomplish even if it just means i want to have a better day that i'm having right now you naturally internalize the science around overcoming setbacks and become more capable and powerful in life
1: i think setbacks when you say setbacks that really um it hits for me it illuminates it's in neon um because i face so many in my life and i think uh you know, learning how to, um, overcome or push through, um, hurdle setbacks, I think is, I mean, that's, that's like the key, one of the keys to life in general, you know?
2: It is, it is one of the keys to life. And I think, you know, as we're talking about our story and our history and the people that we were, you know, even just reflecting on myself in terms of confidence, um, I'm, my younger self is completely unrecognizable to me today.
1: Mm -hmm. In a good way, or in, the in
2: bad a bad way. way. In, right. a, in, a, in a good way. I used to be so scared, and you know, this is something I used to talk about a lot, but I don't talk about often now. I used to be so governed by um, depressions and eating disorders and concepts of my own body that in my 20s, I was scared to go out and do things and enjoy things that other 20-year-olds really loved because I was inhibited and I didn't have confidence. And guys, today, <laughs> that, that is not the case.
1: <laughs> today, she's rocking egg suits. She's skipping on sidewalks. Yeah, absolutely.
2: All of the things. You will find me at a party by the cackling laughter. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, a be- it's actually a beautiful transformation that people can look forward to. And I think, you know, when we come into new careers and new skill sets, we start with fear. Mm -hmm. And I would love to give our listeners permission to start with positive expectation.
1: Mm. Describe positive expectations. What does that mean to you?
2: That when you are interacting with the science of coaching and the science of learned optimism, resilience, overcoming setbacks, applied positive psychology, you will be changed in a positive way. It is impossible for you not to experience growth and transformation that will propel you forward in
0: life.
1: Yeah, and I think as you do that, you create distance uh, from the... Of a scared old self, like you did, like you said, I don't really you know I don't really know that part of me anymore the the mm-hmm. part that was scared to go out, and you know you remember right we're never gonna erase our memories, um but it's not who you are you you almost come out of that person and and you evolve into someone different,
2: very much so, very much so, and you know. Let's pull in the science here to talk about where this come from, because it's it's one thing to hear stories and it's one thing to find role models like you might Mm -hmm. find in John and I. And that's awesome and appropriate and one of the pieces of applied positive psychology on this work. But there's also a lot of science and theory underneath it. And part of this is the concept of learned optimism. Mm. And this comes from Martin Seligman who is at the University of Pennsylvania. He is widely regarded as the godfather of applied positive psychology. And his work tells us that if people can be convinced to confront the reality of their lives, not from a perspective of despair, but from a perspective of really just gathering evidence by answering three straightforward questions, Mm -hmm. what happens is you square with reality, it becomes less scary, and you gain more tools to overcome setbacks in life.
1: And everyone wants to know what these three questions are. And by the way, this is under the umbrella of setbacks theory, right?
2: Mm -hmm. This is called setbacks theory. And the, the three questions setbacks theory slash learned optimism. And so, you know, if we're working through this, if we're really workshopping it, everybody who's listening and John, you know, pull up something, a setback that has occurred in your own life. And Mm. the first question is, is this setback temporary or will it plague you forever?
1: Okay. So let me think of a setback in my life. Um, Okay. So I, I have a, a setback in mind. The question is, is it temporary or um is it will it last forever? Uh it felt like it was gonna last forever when I was going through the time, but it was obviously it was temporary.
2: hmm Yeah. Log- me Logically
1: too. it was temporary. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I was thinking of um you know, the, the life of an entrepreneur and building businesses, selling them, losing them. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that when you're in the throes of it, it's like, Oh God, my life is over. But you know, you learn how to build businesses. You, you, you grow, you move on. So it's always, it's always temporary.
1: I was actually thinking the same thing and mine was a little more specific. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, Mine's a little more specific, but, and I'll share it. Um, um, at one point, uh, I met someone, uh, he fell from the sky and we hit it off and he wanted to buy, <clears throat> um, a big part of the angry therapist and it basically, you know, just over a, uh, over some sushi and a contract being a napkin. Um, I sold, I think it was 50%, 40% or something like almost more than half of my company, um, for a very, very small amount of money. And then the setback was as we started working together, we realized it wasn't a good fit, and I remember waking up thinking, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I just, sold, <laughs> I just sold half of my business and it, 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 this partnership isn't going to work out. And I remember that was like a giant dog-eared page of my chapter of this is a setback. This is a huge setback. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that time and it felt like this guy was falling.
1: Yeah. And I, did, and I was like, this is all I have. I don't have control. I mean, it just I, it really felt like someone um, kidnapped my child. I like, like, like I allowed that, you know, it wasn't his fault. It was mine. And then the panic, what am I going to do? I was also in a relationship. I didn't know, like, and then I remember, um, When it was over i remember like it was like it it left just as fast as it came and that was like the huge insight for me was feeling like this is permanent feeling like you know now my life is going to be and i'm already looking into the future 10 years from now and i'm going to be whatever a failure or broke or frustrated or you know i lost my freedom that was the big thing that i was i was so upset about uh, which i've been you know fighting for and building and then literally it was one email of just me expressing to him how I felt and him just releasing and saying, okay, well, let's, let's, let's just dissolve it. And I remember that feeling, which was, oh my God, it's not forever. You know, it has passed. (laughs) I have learned a lesson and I, I, I literally cried. I cried of just Mm. relief and just feeling like, oh my gosh, that this has passed. And I, I remember that day like yesterday.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and because I've known you forever, I remember it right, too. And right. and and you know, I think like looking at that I think one of the really beautiful things that came out of that situation that I see as your friend is you learned more deeply about your own relationship with freedom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And
2: how freedom needs to be the foundation of everything or else it's not going to work.
1: Yes. So what I did was I said, yes. um, And that was driven by desperation. That was driven by, you know, um, impatience, um, wanting something fast, all of that. And then uh, what that took from me was freedom. And then I was like, oh, (laughs) let's reverse this.
2: Yeah, let's let's switch it yeah. up. So that brings us to the next question, which is, does this setback pertain to everything you've ever tried? Mm-hmm. Or was it a moment in time? Is it just one thing?
1: Yeah, just one thing. Just one I thing. I yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that was just one thing that doesn't, you know, that setback of me um, making a business deal has nothing to do with say, you know, writing a book or creating a community or, you know, other things, of course.
2: Yeah. And the same for me, you know, there have been um, businesses that I've tried that haven't worked out and it's just one thing. It it doesn't relate to all of the different aspects of my life. I'm a great friend. I'm a great daughter. I'm a great partner. Mm. um, I'm a great coach to my clients. I'm a great steward of our organization. If I have one or two things in my back pocket that didn't work out, hey, that's life.
1: You know what I love uh, that you just did? You took it out of business, and then you said, I'm a great friend. And when you said that, I just wasn't even thinking. I was like, oh, wait, There's there are those parts of us too <laughs> that have nothing to do with like, you know, achievements and other things that we put so much weight on.
2: That we put so much weight on. Yeah. yeah. And, you know- and And, guys, as you're listening, so this is how coaching works and how you roll through it with a client. So your client comes to session and it's just devastated because something bad has happened. So the first question is, is this temporary, or will it plague you forever? Mm-hmm. And then the second question, does this pertain to everything in your life, or is it just one thing? Right. Because these setbacks often cast a shadow. Over the reality of our lives.
1: And by the way, these are conversations, right? It's not like you're asking three questions, they're answering it really fast and it's over. I mean, you're exploring, you're expanding, you know, they're, they're, they're conversational.
2: You're exploring, you're expanding, and your client is coming to their own awareness. Mm-hmm. Because going into this as a coach, you know, you have incredible luxury because you're not the one suffering, you're not the one coming to a session with a problem. And so you can often look at your clients in context and know that even though it feels like the sky is falling, it's probably not.
1: Right, right. So what's question three?
2: Question three. um, Are you alone responsible for the setback that took place?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question
2: or are there other factors that contributed?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question for me. So using my example, um, am I alone in, I mean, it was me that made the deal on the napkin. At the same time, um, there were other factors involved like uh, where I was in my life, I wasn't sleeping. I was, uh, I didn't, I just, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing I mean, there was a lot of, uh, um, um, you know, relationship stuff happening. So there were other things, external stuff happening. Um, but ultimately, it, w- it was me that made the decision. So I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're on the right trail here, and I want to go deeper because some examples of things that can also be responsible for a setback are other people, mm-hmm. time, and resources. Yeah. So you just listed all three of those things as factors that heavily contributed
1: right right i mean yeah a relationship um you know where you're at in your life uh for me i had was had really bad insomnia so you know maybe maybe a lot of that stuff contributed to me not thinking clearly or thinking thoroughly
2: i was there i could tell you it totally did
1: yeah absolutely i
2: i I, I could tell you it totally did and you you were not alone responsible for that setback Mm. um because there you know it takes it, t- it often takes multiple people to cause a setback.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Yeah, humans alone do stupid shit all the time, but... Big setbacks are often, um, there's often a village behind that setback, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. so setting that up with your clients and, you know, even as John and I are doing today saying, you know, hey man, like this isn't all you. You can't put this on your shoulders and say, you know, I suck or I did this and I need to own it. You can own it in whatever way feels um, like a lesson, but it wasn't all you for sure.
1: Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking about uh, maybe a recent setback, um, are you blaming yourself? Are you saying that this was all me? Because if you are, you're going to be putting a lot of pressure on yourself.
2: Yep, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the one-two punch with coaches is we're listening deeply to our clients to hear if our client is assigning responsibility to something that
1: mm-hmm.
2: isn't totally theirs. And then we're also shining that flashlight on other places that they can't see right now. So, right. you know, what I tell our students in journey coaching is to be a successful coach, you need two things, and this is for life. It, it goes so far beyond coaching. You need a mirror to look yourself in the face and see what's really going on, and then you need a flashlight mm. to look at all the dark places that are out of your view.
1: And and you need someone to help you with that. Yes. Right. Because then you're only seeing it through your own lens. And this this is where the coach comes in.
2: Yeah, it's where the coach comes in or it's where, you know, you come in for your partner or where your partner comes in for you. My husband and I just had a hard conversation this morning and he had a really big feeling that was totally valid and it was based on his own personal view of the world and when he was telling me what was going on for him i was like yeah that's super valid i i hear you and i understand you but look outside of yourself at all of these other things mm-hmm. that can prove to you that the sky isn't falling and he was like oh yeah <laughs>
1: right right <laughs> you're
2: right and so you know using these skills in your home in your own life with your clients this is how you start to internalize it And then the next time that a setback rolls down the hill, you'll have these questions embedded in your psyche and they'll flow from you pretty naturally. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. A positive lens, putting on a positive Mm -hmm. lens. Yeah. A positive lens. I love when you said learned optimism, what I love about that is a lot of people think that optimism is just kind of ingrained, it's a choice. We just do it. Um, That, you know, when you say learned, that really changes it for me
2: it's an incredible aspect of this science so learned optimism sits juxtaposed against learned helplessness Mm. and learned helplessness comes from family systems from family of origin uh, or from really closely formed friend groups or from uh, your community where you grew up and you know when we're when we're talking about this stuff you know a lot of times people think that coaching is fluffy and it's a nice to have discipline but um i i approach coaching from a really hardcore social justice perspective and right. to me teaching people the tools and skills of learned optimism is a really effective way to combat intergenerational trauma, Mm. to combat uh, social construction that people who come from lower socioeconomic statuses face, uh, to combat um, fear that marginalized populations face, and can be used to enact serious change in the world.
1: Yeah, I feel like the more you come at coaching from your uh, fire in your belly, um, the less fluffy it is you know, or Mm -hmm. quote unquote fluffy. If people think coaching is fluffy because they see it as just kind of a blanket statement, it's too vanilla, what do you even mean? Uh, But when you come at it with an angle that is tied to your story and who you are and what you're passionate about, um, then there is no fluff. Like, you know, like- Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh, very much. And and I I actually, talking about breaking intergenerational trauma, I had a hilarious conversation with my father. Um, my dad and I have a great relationship. He's awesome. He came from a very, very um, poor childhood upbringing, his family, and and he as a child especially suffered so much. And when I was growing up, he always taught me, you know, life is hard, and you must suffer and struggle and work hard. And then maybe you can eke out an existence that you might feel good about. Um, that's kind of gnarly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. in, in so many different ways. And he used to call uh, his experience with depression, which I share, I also suffer from depression. Um, he used to call it running at the wall that he would mm. run at the wall in order to force himself through the days. And I was like, that sounds horrible. Yeah. Um, and so I was subject to learned helplessness growing up, right? That's what right. I was taught. Right. And when I started trying to run at the wall, it didn't work for me. It's That's not my composition. It's not how I made up emotionally or mentally. It mm. wasn't going well. And so when I began to learn about coaching in positive psychology – I learned how to put on a positive lens and I transformed so completely and Mm -hmm. changed the way that I took my life lessons from my family of origin. And, um, you know, my dad told me the other day that he's really proud of me, um, but because he's a snarky old gent, he said that every time I ever called home crying he remembered and he has a consulting fee for me waiting
1: mm-hmm, right invoices
2: yeah <laughs> and so i said you know dad that's uh, that's funny because i've never ever once taken your advice <laughs> i've always done the opposite so oh, okay. i don't i don't know that you can collect that consulting fee oh, right, and we both laughed and it, you know it was a good conversation but it was really a recognition of uh, what i think is the intergenerational change
1: yeah I love that. What a great story. And, you know, I also want to say that, uh, um, so Noelle sharing that story, um, it, it tells me that she's applied a lot of the stuff in her own life and has seen change and is a believer because of that. And now as a coach, when she's coaching other people, the tools that, uh, that she has, they're not just cut and paste from textbooks or from courses. They are um, pure. They are honest. There are things that she has used. So uh, that's another thing, you know, I I think a lot of people when they explore coaching, they feel like, oh, my life has to be perfect. Um, I have to be in a great place. And it's not true. I mean, when you go through something, come out the other side, that in itself is going to be um, a whole set of tools, you know
2: oh yeah and you know and you live it you start living with this stuff and you start experimenting in your own life and it's kind of like oh hey this works this feels good i love this and then it it becomes a joy and part of your purpose to share it with others right
1: right and awesome. i think
2: that's what yeah that's what we see in the spirit of journey coaching you know it's people who get their hands around this stuff and start living it and then you know the snowball starts rolling uphill in terms of goodness and abundance and prosperity it's really fun
1: yeah guys if you're interested in learning more about learned optimism and setbacks theory um and 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 also just in general about yourself and how you work um come hang out with us at journey coaching yes yeah do the journey and um noelle keep writing
2: i will i will (laughs) thank you John.
1: All right, guys, you will.
0: Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's jrni.co slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co jrni.co. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.